1: The AIT, the U.S. representative office in Taiwan, announced tonight that an American congressional delegation led by Senator Ed Markey has arrived in Taipei. Markey, the chairman of the subcommittee on East Asia, is expected to meet with President Tsai Ing-wen tomorrow and leave the island in the afternoon. The AIT says the five-member delegation is visiting the Indo-Pacific region. Taiwan has been embarking on a southbound journey ever since the 1990s. This is because the nation's leaders since former President Li hui have come to realize Taiwan's over on China, and they also wanted to increase the nation's economic and political influence in ASEAN countries. When she came into office in 2016, President Tsai Ing-wen introduced the new Southbound policy in which a health and welfare program would foster further exchanges with nations in Southeast Asia. In the post-pandemic age, medical technology has become more important than ever. Can Taiwan meet the demand by offering the supply in its attempt to enter the Southeast Asian market? Our Sunday special report. 夹针,
2: Here in the Jianghua Coastal Industrial Park, a class on how to perform surgery is being held. This happens to be Asia's largest cram school for minimally invasive surgeries.
0: Before the pandemic, these classes had many international students. About half the students were from overseas, mostly from places like the Philippines, Hong Kong, Singapore, Malaysia, Vietnam, Thailand, and so on.
2: Since its founding in 2008, Earcat Taiwan has been offering more than 100 courses every year. For over 15 years, more than 20,000 students from all over Asia have received training here. This bespectacled and bookish-looking young man is Ting Ik Hun. He's from the state of Sarawak in northeastern Malaysia. When he was 18, he came by himself to Taiwan, where the language and culture are similar to his home and pursued a degree in medicine. He later became a doctor at Shinko Uhosu Memorial Hospital where he did his residency.
1: The current medical situation in Malaysia is that there are a lot of general practitioners. However, few doctors are in specialized fields as there aren't enough resources to foster specialists. So the general practitioners have to work hard and excel in order to get these resources. In the 10 years I studied in Taiwan, from entering school to now working, I feel quite lucky in that the resources here, especially in learning and work, are abundant.
2: Like Ting, many foreigners travel great distances to Taiwan, drawn by its renowned medical technology. Here at Zhanghua Christian Hospital, two doctors from Papua New Guinea are undergoing short-term training.
1: I've come to Taiwan and in, in only two weeks I have been able to see that orthopedic surgery in Taiwan is advancing, today. in terms of the surgical practice is now
0: very small incisions, small
1: cuts. It gives me some idea of what is outside, what is currently being practiced at this, in this century.
2: Dr. Kulao is able to make this pilgrimage thanks to the Taiwan government's Health and Welfare New Southbound Policy Project.
0: We want to share resources, talents and markets with other countries, enlarge our economic scale and make effective use of resources. This is the spirit on which the New Southbound Policy is based. We will have extensive exchanges and cooperation with regional members in various aspects, such as science and technology, culture and economy and trade.
2: When she assumed office in 2016, President Tsai Ing-wen presented her new Southbound policy, effectively incorporating countries in South Asia and Oceania. It was during this time that the idea of a healthcare policy was raised.
0: In the entire New Southbound policy, we are people-oriented. Of all the tasks we can do, helping patients, treating their illnesses, and helping improve the level of local public health are things that can touch people's hearts the most.
2: In 2018, the Ministry of Health launched the One Country, One Center program. Six Taiwan hospitals were chosen and were assigned to be in charge of six southbound partner nations, arranging medical tours and offering professional training and conducting technical cooperation. In 2022, the program further expanded to become one country multiple centers so that Taiwan's medical know how and service can penetrate more deeply in neighboring
1: countries. Vietnam is also looking forward to technology transfer. Our technology and capital can help as we cooperate with their medical people who work with mid to low level medical equipment and materials. I think this is something we can develop long term. We're not giving them fish, but we teach them how to fish with a fishing pole.
2: Besides fostering Southeast Asian medical talent, the health and welfare new Southbound policy project has another goal, to drive the industry and expand the sales of Taiwanese medical equipment. In 2018, the number of people from ASEAN nations that come to Taiwan for medical treatment officially surpassed that of China. By the end of 2021, the figure has surpassed 510,000 people. The number of doctors who came here for medical training also grew by fourfold. However, that has not been the case for Taiwanese medical equipment and health-related industrial supply chains, which are also part of the government project. Hi,许小姐. Hi, Hi, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. well, Tahua to 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 Christian
2: Hospital is an important center for telemedicine in Taiwan and an active participant from central and southern Taiwan that hosts visiting doctors from new southbound nations. With seven branches, the hospital relies on big data and long distance technology so that the headquarters can assist the branches in diagnosing patients’ conditions and analyzing medical records. What's even more amazing is the rail network transporting equipment within their Department of Dentistry, all of it managed through QR codes. It is this efficient and accurate smart medical technology that has become a weapon for Taiwan to enter into the new southbound market.
0: For example, under the one country, one center policy, we are assigned to Thailand. As you know, Thailand is promoting the so-called Thailand 4.0. They're also promoting the e healthcare. So, relatively speaking, they're in greater need for these things.
2: As Taiwan attempts to make inroads into southbound nations with its medical equipment, it faces the challenge of being overshadowed by the name brands of large European and American manufacturers. China's price cutting competitors are another challenge. Fortunately, innovation is the strength of Taiwan's industry, and customized medical services have become a key breakthrough for entering the new Southbound markets. Here at a medical equipment showroom, a physiology measurement instrument that speaks Thai has captured people's attention.
0: the height, BMI, Not only Thai, but we speak different languages from different countries like Vietnamese and Indonesian. This is the trend, because medical equipment is something that's rigid. There are many details on how to operate it. If you operate it incorrectly, you might get an incorrect value. If the machine can speak your native language, it will be used much more correctly. A
2: product might make a breakthrough, but there's a bigger barrier. If a company goes at it alone, it will likely fail.
0: For example, the economics ministry may have held a seminar there and then the External Trade Development Council holds another one. So I think that the entire coordinating unit, including the Health Ministry, the Economics Ministry, and the External Trade Development Council, have to be integrated. If this horizontal connection is not established, what you may end up having is everyone doing the same thing or something similar, but on a scale that's not large enough.
2: The power of the state must enter at the right time, playing the role of a mother hen leading her chicks. On April 12, 2022, MET or Medical Excellence Taiwan was officially unveiled. Its foundation was spearheaded by the government and comprises 12 medical institutions, 3 academic associations and 4 medical companies.
1: This isn't like in the past when we worked separately. Even though we had one country and one center, everyone worked hard on their own. Having formed this alliance, everyone's strengths are joined together. So now we have one country and one center at the front end, and at the back end, we've got this alliance that helps integrate all medical systems in the country.
2: MET is founded by both the public and private sectors. In addition to continuing to deepen the existing medical services for the new southbound countries, another objective is to go to the new southbound countries and open several hospitals with Taiwan characteristic.
0: It will definitely bring to other countries Taiwan's medical management know-how and technology applications, and it will become a common practice of the industry. By then, Taiwan's technology manufacturers will have a great opportunity to tag
1: along. Medical people know medical care, but they are rather unfamiliar with the products. So in the second stage, which is the second phase of the new southbound policy, we hope to strengthen the area of industrial chains.
2: Strengthening industrial chains is an important task for MET in the future. But due to Taiwan's sensitive political position, once Team Taiwan goes overseas, it can only assume the guise of a non-governmental organization.
1: There is not one country in Southeast Asia that has an official relationship us. We won't see our premier or minister embrace his counterpart publicly in the media. We must therefore let NGOs take the lead. But how can NGOs be the national team? This is contradictory. At least I can't see the logic.
2: A national team that cannot display the nation's flag and is still expected to win for the nation. That's the word cut out for Team Taiwan, which is made up of the health ministry, hospitals, medical equipment and pharmaceutical businesses. Can they successfully gain a foothold in the markets of Asia and Southeast Asia? That's something that remains to be seen.
1: The Labor Ministry Salary Review Committee will meet on September 1st to discuss raising the minimum wage. According to the latest government data, the minimum wage is expected to be adjusted upward next year for the seventh time in a row, with an increase of 4.8 percent. Unions say inflation is a serious problem and hope that the government can raise the minimum wage by 5.71 percent, the amount raised last year. However, business leaders on the management side think if the government can't provide businesses with sufficient subsidies to deal with the salary increase, they may have to cut jobs or raise prices to let consumers pay for the extra costs. According to the latest data from the government statistics agency, the nation's economy will grow by 3.76 percent, and the Consumer Price Index, a measure of... Inflation will increase by 2.92% annually. The minimum monthly wage is expected to reach 26,242 NT next year and the minimum hourly wage, 176 NT. Human trafficking scams that offer supposed high-paying jobs in Cambodia have recently come into the spotlight. On Sunday, a woman who escaped from a crime syndicate came out to tell her horror story. Here's an excerpt.
3: When I went to work, there'd be a stun gun behind me at all times. So if someone dozed off or something, they would get an electric shock. And then there were soldiers standing nearby with guns. If you didn't behave well, you'd get a lesson. Every day I was afraid that if I did something wrong, I'd be sold to another operation. If you unfortunately died, you'd be thrown from a tall building. And then the company would claim that you had committed suicide or that you were on drugs. They made things up.
1: More than 500 Taiwanese are believed to still be held captive in Cambodia. To stem the flow of unsuspecting youths heading to Cambodia, the Aviation Police Bureau and Criminal Investigation Bureau have sent personnel to Taoyuan Airport to intercept people whom they suspect have been conned. New Taipei City has also sent its police to venues where youths congregate to warn young people not to fall victim to these scams. Jiankuo High School marching band won third place at the 19th World Music Contest in the Netherlands recently. Having completed their quarantine in Taiwan, band members came out to share with reporters what it took to win in the so-called Olympics of marching bands.
3: Rank number three for the Shen Kuo High School Band out uh, Taipei in Taiwan. When the winner was announced, members of the marching band struck a pose symbolising glory. The band's conductor, Ye Geng Lun, went on stage to receive the WMC's third prize on behalf of Shen High School Marching Band. Members of The Winds, Percussion and Colour Guard worked together in unison to deliver a visually and musically dazzling performance. In addition to Zhenguo High School students, other members of the band included the school's alumni as well as students from Taipei First Girls High School and Jingmei Girls High School.
1: Everyone performed to the level they should have on the field, so I think the result of this competition was very satisfactory to me, and they are well deserved.
3: Before the competition, the band underwent two weeks of grueling training. The band's 74 members practiced from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day, under the scorching sun. They had to know by heart more than 70 formations within a week's time.
1: We had people getting stroke or injured during the process because when handling the props for the action, there was a lot of throwing and catching, so it was easy to hurt your hand or get stroke.
3: Held once every four years, the World Music Contest is dubbed the Olympics of marching bands. In the 40 years that Jenghua High School Marching Band has been around, this is the first time that it included band members from other schools to compete at an international contest. Their hard work paid off, as they helped put Taiwan on the world stage.
1: Peng Ming-min, a renowned Taiwanese democracy activist and a former senior advisor to the president, passed away in April this year. On Sunday, the Jinan Presbyterian Church held a service to remember him. President Tsai Ing-wen, Vice President Lai Qingde, Premier Su Zhen-chang and the DPP's Taipei mayoral candidate Chen Shih-chung were all on hand. At the service, President Tsai expressed her gratitude to Pong for having upheld Taiwan's democracy and freedom. She pointed out that China's recent military pressure on Taiwan made her think of Pong's words that democracy and freedom are Taiwan's greatest assets and also the values that Taiwanese people should unite around and protect. China's live-fire military drills that surrounded Taiwan for almost a week may have ended, but Beijing's military aircraft and warships are still present in the Taiwan Strait. Taiwan's defense officials say now that a special budget for upgrading the navy and air force has been passed... They expect Taiwan to be able to produce more than 1,000 anti-ship and cruise missiles in the coming five years. The expanded arsenal will help Taiwan adopt a porcupine strategy, a type of asymmetric warfare that focuses on fortifying Taiwan's smaller defenses to exploit China's weaknesses rather than confronting China head-on.
3: The PLA is continuing to operate in areas in and around the Taiwan Strait. On Saturday, the Ministry of National Defence recorded 29 sorties of warplanes flying near Taiwan, of which 13 crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait. Six warships also appeared on the radar, showing Beijing has not relented in its intimidation of Taiwan. Kurt Campbell, the White House coordinator for the Indo-Pacific, criticised China, saying it overreacted and used House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit as a pretext to launch an intensified pressure campaign against Taiwan and change the status quo. Campbell said that the US would continue to conduct standard air and maritime transits through the Taiwan Strait in the next few weeks and deepen ties with Taiwan. Taiwan, for its part, is also strengthening its own self-defence capabilities. After Taiwan's legislature approved a special budget for procurements to enhance the Navy and Air Force's combat capabilities, annual mass production of various types of missiles got a huge boost. In the next five years, production of Shungfeng 3 missiles is expected to reach 350, and Shungfeng 2 and Shungsheng ground-to-ground missiles should reach 655. Adding up the numbers of various anti-ship and cruise missiles to be produced, The total comes to 1,005. In addition, with Taiwan's planned purchase of 400 harpoon missiles from the US that will be deployed along the coast, the overall anti-ship capabilities of Taiwan will be greatly strengthened and it will be able to adopt a porcupine strategy.
1: Medium and long-range anti-ship missiles are on the front lines to block the enemy, and when the enemy approaches the shore, the army's portable missile launchers and javelin missiles will be used against the next wave of beachhead assault. This will make it very hard for China to effectively stage a landing.
3: Experts believe that in response to China's increased military threat, Taiwan should up its defense budget.
1: Taiwan's annual defense budget roughly stands at 1.7 to 1.8 percent of our GDP, which is relatively low. We should use our personnel cost as a benchmark, which is about 160 billion NT on average. So there should at least be three times more. In other words, one-third will be spent on personnel costs, one-third on equipment procurement, and one-third on maintenance costs. This will reach a scale of $480 billion NT. I think this is more reasonable.
3: Reports say the Ministry of National Defence is pushing to increase the annual defence budget, which stands at $374 billion NT this year, by 4.2% reaching nearly 390 billion NT. In other words, if Taiwan is to be prepared militarily, it should first be prepared financially.